Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to the Explicit Measures podcast with Tommy, Seth, and Mike. Hello, everyone. Happy Thursday. It's a good Thursday here. How are you guys doing? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Doing well. Doing pretty good. Yeah, I think it's a good All day. Right. So far, so good. It's been a busy week. I, things are, again, around Christmas time, holidays, things just start flying by. So this is also the period of time where most of the Power BI development stuff starts slowing down a little bit. This is usually where we get like a kind of a lull of features. Because again, I, I get it. People are taking off. There's there's not the normal development build cycle. I think Microsoft just had their fiscal year, right? That ended in October, I believe. So that's the end of their fiscal year. And then they, now it's kind of like beginning the new year. So it's kind of like, uh, take it easy. Well, the worst part is they're the last Power BI updates in December, and then you have to wait until February because they never do an update in January. Correct. Because yeah. there's, yeah. Yeah. Right. Because there's, there's, there's like little there's to no development time in December. I get it. Yeah. All I'm saying is I'm enjoying this holiday season much more than the last couple of years because <laughs> those, those were extremely busy hard. season things. Yeah. So yeah. It is, it is not that anymore. So it's we were writing the ship there for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Whew. Whew. Drinking from the fire hose for quite a while. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I get that feeling. I've done, been there, done that. So as we get going today, there's actually a couple kind of introduction pieces we have here going on. Uh, so for those of you who are, I guess this doesn't really matter if you're in the UK or not, because the conference is both vir virtual and in person. So SQL Bits for 2023 will be happening on March 14th and the through the 18th. Uh, there will be a Saturday event that will be completely free. Everyone can join. And it'll be in the ICC Wales next year, 2023. And if you want, you can get tickets at 5% off using our discount code, PowerBI Tips 5 That's your discount code there. So if you want to go join the SQL Bits conference, go ahead and use that promotion code. Get a little bit of money off. And I've heard excellent things about the conference. Nothing but good feedback that I've ever uh, heard I, at some point in time. Probably not this year because of travel things have been crazy for me so far but the plan is to get to it at some point myself look at look at us being way ahead of time like giving all you folks plenty of time months my goodness what to I, make it to what to will really happen months. though is everyone's going to buy tickets like the virtual event like three days before and then <laughs> that's what usually happens <laughs> yeah at least that's how i operate at least if we tell you at least enough times maybe you'll get the promo code it'll sink in and when you go buy the tickets you'll You'll be able to use the code. So well, if we give enough time, then we can't get blamed for it. Exactly yeah. right. It's not our fault for your procrastination, which I'm right allowed. I'm right there with you. I'm a procrastinator. <laughs> There's some other interesting announcements that have come out from the Power BI blog I want to kind of touch on. I saw a Twitter tweet come through, I think it was this morning. Is when I don't know. Are you guys maybe I'm weird? I get up in the morning. First thing I look at is like Twitter, and then I start browsing through, okay, what is Power BI doing? <laughs> that's like my first, that's like the news that I'm interested in, and uh, I catch some of these things. Do you guys do that too? Is that, or, or am I just the only one who does that? No, I would say my first check though is just the normal news. Just, just hit, it's so hit depressing. The, I, don't, anything, I don't like to look anything at happen, anything happening over, overnight in the world news, and, and then I'll pop through some um, i, I want to say that you're weird but I, I got all the rss feeds and that's like the first thing i refresh in the morning like what new articles even though i checked this 12 hours ago exactly <laughs> exactly what do i need to what, what do i need to tag for yeah what do i need to tag at jam.powerbi tips so, right? so people can go find. Strong? yes 
still going strong. Uh, for those of you who don't know, we have a, a community-based website. Uh, Tommy, Seth, and I actually go find the best content. So while we're up at you know six in the morning looking at Twitter, trying to find the latest news on Power BI, which uh, I don't know if everyone else does this, but we do it, and we try and tag those articles in our in our community.jam.powerbi.tips, and so you can go look at all of our bookmarks. We bookmark a bunch of articles. You can go visit that page, and it kind of gives you a feed of the latest stuff that we're finding that is interesting to us. Uh, and things that you may want to be relevant using your your daily workflow. Now, eighty three hundred, eighty three hundred links to articles. Yeah, same. It's going crazy. There's a lot of content being generated. It's kind of fun. So all that to kind of wrap up here. I'm going to kind of bring it back home. So one of the Twitter tweets I saw this morning was, "You can now cancel a Power BI dataset refresh in the service," and the people go, "Yay! I can Yay!" <laughs> Sense, no, dude, sense dude, dude, enthusiastically. Is, um, you know, it comes after we built our automated ways to do it, right? So it's kind of like, yeah, glad it's here now. But should have been there uh, years ago. Like, why? Why this is so valuable is like one, you, you it was you had to go to great lengths to actually cancel it. But if yes. you didn't, like you just wait and it'll hammer systems. Like, oh, you yes. failed. Hammer oh, it again. Try again. Oh, you I'm failed. Try again. Hammer yes. again. And it, it's a forty-five minute exercise or or yeah. longer. Right. Yes. Hundred um, percent. So, so that's awesome. It's it's awesome that what, there's what's a, incredibly an easy intriguing. Button. Yeah. What's incredibly intriguing is this has been available in data flows almost since the beginning. You could cancel a data flow at any point. I don't remember when that was even an announcement that they released it. That was part of it. So mm -hmm. half of me was like, wasn't this already available? It's like, nope, just in data flows. Oh, oh sh sad shush. Panda. Sad panda. <laughs> sad panda. panda. Yeah. No. So I, I do want to also point out here too as well, uh, in addition to the announcement, um, some people were picking up on Twitter like, oh man, this is premium only? What the heck? Why can't we get you know, this in pro? Well, uh, Mohammed, who's uh, uh, from the Microsoft product team, actually responded on the Twitter thread here, and I'll read the kind of the response here. Uh, it, it basically says, um, the, the reason it is premium is because, and his, I'll read it here, quote, we're fixing this premium runs on a new code which Pro is about to catch up on. And once, is, again, I'm reading and interpreting here, um, when that, that will stop the, then it's premium first bash. So I think there's a, uh, a kind of a, a code catch up on a Pro users or the, the Pro code base that is going to be updated so that it matches whatever's in premium, which is, which is makes sense. I think Microsoft optimizes the premium stuff first because uh, that's where the money comes in from. And then from there, they're able to take those changes and roll them out to, Pro users as well, so I'm excited about that. I think that's going to be a great feature. I'll throw the uh, article agreed. in the chat window. Sorry, Seth, you're going to say something. I said agreed. I'm just agreeing with you, Mike. Enjoy it while it lasts. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there's there's cancel refresh right here. I'll throw that in there as well. And then if anyone's interested, here's the Twitter thread. If you want the full details on the Twitter thread as well, so I'll put that in there as well. So you have it. Excellent. Um, some other things that are coming around. Tommy, you were doing some discovery work around tabular models, right? Kind of a tabular editor using the extended properties. Describe, like, what's yeah. extended properties? Let's go into that a bit, maybe just to give some context here. Well, this was a conversation, actually, when uh, Marco Russo and Alberto Ferrari were in Chicago. We were having a conversation about DAX and tabular, uh, like tabular models and... Mm -hmm. Marco and Alberto, Marco especially was bringing up 
this idea that every part, every field, every object in a tabular model has something called extended properties. Hmm. Obviously, we were curious, asked, what is that? What is that? It's basically like custom fields that, in a sense, serve no like actual or affect the model in any way. They're just kind of like metadata fields hmm. where they either can be JSON or a string. So that got a, got us thinking. And I was doing something with looking at a new data set. I'm like, I didn't want to, I was trying to preview like the distinct values in each. And rather than trying to bring each one, like our what's our normal way to do that? We're either writing the DAX query to say evaluate hmm. distinct, or you're pulling everything into a visual on a, a Power BI model. And I was just getting curious, like, I wonder if there's an easier way to do this. And basically what I figured out was you can use those extended properties that pull those values and pretty simply. So the idea you can reference those extended properties as if it was the name of a column, correct? Well, yeah, you could basically call an extended property, like call it like gl global measure. And mm -hmm. then the value, like a key value pair, and the yep. value is just a name, like let's say total sales. And then theoretically, you can use that at any point in the, your macro or in any other script and say, hey, grab the extended property for the model that's called global measure mm -hmm. and use it here. So I was wondering, like, I wondered, the biggest problem with macros is usually we're trying to pull, like, you know, you have to select the columns. Mm -hmm. Or you have to like rewrite the macro for that particular model because you're like, well, this column, the dim date field is just date. So I have to rewrite that in the macro or my measure here is total members. Well, it's, and it's, it's nuances, right? So your date calendar yeah. may be called date calendar and someone else's model may right. be called calendar. Someone else's called might be like dates. And then you right. might have a column called date or date or current date or whatever, right. whatever the, whatever the column name is, it will be to your point, right? That is a, a, even though it's describing the same thing, the name of the column or the name yeah. of the table is distinctly different in all these cases. So the reusability, like, uh, uh, yeah. um, there's a few other macros where it's like for time intelligence, but you need to know the date table, the date column, the year column, and the fact table, the fact date column, mm -hmm. and all those things. Like, man, I, if there's a way just to automate that rather than having to re reconfigure that for every model, yeah, well. I was testing this out. I'm like, let me just create a macro here, create a extended property where basically I have a global measure and I could do a group by or summarize by order by this global measure. I'm never going to actually call out the measure except in the extended property. And it works kind of amazingly. Uh, I'll put the issue in on GitHub, but you can actually see in the second GIF on this, uh, on this pull request is, I'm basically just choosing a column and saying, you know, do a preview of it. And it pops up with the distinct values ordered by this global measure, which in this case is total sales. But the, the amazing thing about this is no, whatever model I'm connecting to, if those extended properties are already there, it'll work just the same. There's no reconfiguring that I have to do. So the this really opens the ceiling and the potential of reusing macros or the, the extended properties really extending what macros can do. So I am super excited about this. So I'm, I'm going to explain how I understood. At first, I didn't understand what you were doing, Tommy. I didn't quite get it. And I had to ask a couple more questions to kind of like get my head around what as this makes usual. sense is. Yeah. As per usual, Michael's catching up and slow and 
you know, kind of trying. I was going to say for my lack of dis- descriptive. <laughs> oh, okay. It was no, it was more of me like just trying to. What the heck are we talking? About? Like, how do I? So I, I always go to the instance of how does this make my life easier? Like, what does this? Im- what implication does this have to then simplify things um, for my development experience, whatever that may be? So what I thought here was, you know, to me, there's like a two part step to this. You know, you have a data model, and inside that data model, there are multiple like describing features, right? There's there's common things that are good practices to have within a model. So I feel like what you're what you're describing here, Tommy, is a good method where if I go to a model and ask you a series of four or five questions initially to set up the common elements of that model first, once we have those things quote unquote tagged as the right elements, everything else you can start building standard scripts that grab those general tagging items over and over again like for example it'd be something like uh, again i'm you know you would go to a model and you would run some sort of script that says and this is like there's a there's a pre-step before what you're talking about there's a step that says hey i need to describe certain things here and so there may be something like um you know run this script and it says hey tell me which table that you have in your data model is the date table and then when you pick the table name whatever that may be it adds the property of date table, right? And then right. whenever you use a measure or you write some other scripting against that, you could automatically use, okay, I'm gonna grab the date table, here's what it is. So if I think about what Marco and Alberto do a lot with their uh, their scripting, right? So they have a lot of scripts that are based on uh, categories, grouping sales, it's the DAX pattern stuff, right? These are patterns that are very repeatable. The pattern is the same no matter what columns yeah. you have. So if you just let people pick those common pattern elements, such as here's my date table, here's my date column, this is my fact table, and you describe just some general things about the model, then you can now write a generic script that is the same every single time. But now what you're doing, you're you're putting an interpretive layer between your data model and what the DAX patterns would expect your model to be doing. Is that is that kind of articulating what I you're doing there? I be, I don't know why you asked me to describe things first when I just you should. Just I didn't understand better, it though. I didn't get no, it. No, but I that's per, yeah. To but me, I was missing that first step. I was missing the if you set it up right, yeah. Then the script works very seamlessly. I was like, like well, why are we, why are we doing all these? Why would I tag everything and then run the yeah, script? I like, they're basically understand. like global variables. Yeah. For your macros, which are in it's insane in what it it opens up a lot of doors. So yeah, I would totally agree. Yeah. So anyways, I think it's a really good feature. So I'll, yeah. I'll make sure I uh, approve that one and get it in the, in the actual main library of all the repos going to GitHub right now and approving as we speak. So I'll, I'll pull those both in. Excellent. Any other kind of uh, openers here that we got to talk about? I think those are the kind of the main introductions that we were going to think through. All right. Today's topic, Tommy, give us some some context around today. Uh, just as you take a drink, right? Uh, give us some context today around today's topic. I like how you asked me to do it as soon as we said, Tommy. We're not, you're not the best at describing intros, so <laughs> no, no. Gives it us wasn't lots you. to talk about, Tommy. Tommy it's not <laughs> you. It's me. It's not, it wasn't you. It was me. I couldn't understand what you. I didn't. I didn't get it yet. You were you were two steps ahead. I was still catching up. I, I like to like heed my time to Seth. Actually, that's all right. Oh yeah, not that's heed. fine. It's not heed. Concede. Concede. Oh, that's yeah. That's that's so weak, man. <laughs> so weak. So I, I think today's conversation. To yeah, oh, so am I. <laughs> 
So today's topic, BI or change management, I think comes from several different articles that uh, we picked off off the webs. Uh, one was done by Jen Strupp, and then one also by um, Forbes. So I think they they drive in two completely different directions. Um, one is change management kind of on an organizational level, hmm. which to me drives more around the Power BI roadmap adoption kind of higher framework conversation. And then um, the other kind of dives into the details, right, around what happens in kind of project-driven or the, uh, not minutia, but like the daily, like the changes that are impacting organizations in a negative fashion. And I think as BI professionals, we see those on a very regular basis. So like if we get stuck into that one first and then see how far that takes us, we can kind of bring it back and, and hit up on the roadmap or like the, the higher level, how does an organization, like what are methods used to, you know, walk through changing organizational behavior, which kind of falls into the same bucket. And I think this, I mean, regardless, you know, even, and again, I, I will see how this kind of pans out here, but you know, I think the technology, again, we've talked about the people, the process and the technology quite often. I think, and I'll make sure I get both these articles and put them in the in the chat window as well here. So here's the uh, the first article from Jen Stirrup. She's talking about uh, change management and how how does that work against your business? Some really good, I think, some some interesting points in there uh, that she points out as well. And then also here's the Forbes article. So let me just grab those. I'll put those in the chat window. Wait, anyone who wants to follow along can go grab those as well. So as I think about change management, I feel like the the change management comes when we are introducing new technology or, or needing to improve our process from what we've been currently doing. So I feel like, again, this is part of this, the technology is the enabler here, but the change management focuses a lot more on the people and the, and the habits, the processes that we're using today. So I really feel like those, um, and, and when I think about Power BI, I feel like that is changing a lot of behavior at this point. The technology is disruptive. We're able to give a lot more people access to more data at the business level. And that is really, you know, kind of modifying how we think about how we build on RBA reports or how we build with our BI systems. Are, are you switching gears on me? You want to talk about the high level first as opposed to the day to day? I was just kind of making an observation. Well, I feel like. Because I would, I would agree with that statement in the context of like, the the higher level conversation of changing something in an organization yes right yeah but if well, we're talking day to day project level okay we're talking data data yes. changing right correct yes i i guess my approach with this article or these series of articles was kind of coming from it as, as an organizational standpoint very high level thinking like what does that look like because when i look at like excel or sql right that's been out for quite a number of years and i feel like there's a lot of solid patterns and development cycles around that technology stack. And when they were initially introduced, there was probably a lot of change management occurring initially. And then at some point you kind of form the process, right? We have DBAs, we have this process around how to develop things. There's, I mean, there's not a lot of process change because those have been around long enough that it's been incorporated to the normal workflow of people. So I guess my point here was, as we see new tools or new technologies introduced to the data space, that's going to have to be reviewed. Best practices will have to be formed. People will have to knowledge up, skill up, and that then changes the behavior. The, pro the, pro the people are adjusting, the process is adjusting, 
and now we do things slightly different. And then, you know, right now Power BI is only eight years old. In five more years, six more years, 10 more years, it won't be a thing. It'll just be, that's just the way we do things. And something new will come out we'll, that'll keep adjusting things. Well, are you saying that we're already in this space now, that that's already the reality of like most organizations now? I'm, I'm not sure I understand your question. So the idea that change management and the that we already have those processes in place, is that the standard now? I think there's there's processes in place based on the technology we know. Let me say it that way, right? I know how SQL works. I know what we have today. There are, there are processes and things in place. That is our standard way of doing things. The change management piece of this is, hey, look, there's this new Power BI thing coming into play here. What does that look like in the context of a data warehouse? How do we get that to work? And so now we're, what we're doing is the technology is adjusting or, or allowing more capability. And as, as we push these into organizations, they're like, well, how do we deal with this new thing? We, we're not, you know, we've been reporting on, on SSRS. That's how we do everything. Everyone gives us a request. We fill it out, we send it in, boom, done. We've never had self-service. And so now there's this whole change management piece that's going along with self-service. And this is why I think you see a lot of documentation from Microsoft in the community of practice, the center of excellence, the steering committees. Right. So those are those are elements of helping manage the change management of your organization as you introduce these new Power BI tools. So what so basically it's like the roadmap to say, here's how here's some good suggestions on how to change manage your company using these tools. Anyways, that that's where sorry, I went really high level on this. And that's kind of where I initially thought we were going with some of this. Hey, man, like, let's just stay there because to backtrack into the details, right? Sorry, at this point, well, let's, we'll hit lose, the details. Lose the last five minutes. <laughs> no, like, but we're going to we're going to hang here. We're going to okay. hang at the high at the higher level. So sorry, I, agree, I misinterpreted your actually, comment earlier. <laughs> the one that said we're going to start with the details. Yeah, I, I missed that. <laughs> I totally missed that. Welcome to the conversation, Michael. I should take another drink of coffee. <laughs> This is what we talk about when you don't listen. When when I feel like you're not hearing what I'm, you're hearing me, but you're not listening, Mike. <laughs> no, I have a anyway, habit there's of a, that. There's another Sorry. article that I that I I love because I, I just popped in the chat that has a, a really cool diagram. I thought to kind of condense some of the the ideas I had around change within an organization, right? Like it's the same thing we've discussed a lot in the adoption roadmap where you, you need to prep a lot of things because you're, you're bringing a large swath of people along and you also need to change behaviors from those people, right? So even with like saying, say, you know, a direct case of Power BI, you're introducing Power BI and a lot of the adoption pieces, maybe a new governance strategy, maybe new processes, et cetera. What I like about this is we kind of have our current state, your transition state, and mm. an improved state, right? I like so that. So your 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 the, the diagram depicts what we're trying to do with a change management process within an organization. You recognize mm. that this is the current status quo. There's going to be a large swath of people that like the current status quo. When you implement change, you, you get thrash more often than not, right? So that's where spending time to to shape a vision of what that new thing is going to do selling people on it right like if you think about a lot of the pocs or pilots or you know the um things that you and i have been part of mike in large organizations like yep. they're bringing the the successful ones are bringing the large big main group of power users yes. into those discussions that meet with Tableau, that meet with Click, that meet with Power BI people, yes. that see the demos, that see and understand what these tools 
and capabilities can bring to them mm -hmm. so that they're already pre-thinking about it. They share the vision of like what the organization's trying to do to enhance a current problem like related that. to in our area like data visualization. So what that does is ultimately go down to the next level of mobilizing that commitment to change and having the organization and people recognize that, hey, this is a positive thing for us and the benefits of this change are already these. The mm -hmm. converse of that is you have a small group of people that are just going to decide a new technology, a new direction, and then force it on the masses. And that's where you run into missing these two big steps, I think, that are really important for um, implementing that change successfully. So ultimately, you, you go through this phase of, you know, they're calling it a transition state, but it's kind of like the pilot, right? You'd select mm -hmm. a business unit or a group that of power users that you know is going to help. Um, not only like understand and engage with what you're trying to do, but also be the voice of and maybe lead the charge in terms of helping out with questions. And like mm -hmm. as you open it up to the wider wider audience in um, in the organization and then you go through this monitoring. It, this says monitoring, but I would almost say a cycle, right? This is where the cycle of enhancement and improvement to that process and constant monitoring where you're ensuring that this new technology that you're implementing, obviously being Power BI, um, is successful in the organization, right? And what does that mean, right? Like you're, you're adding those support mechanisms, right? Um, Chris Wagner did a huge one in his previous position, probably doing another one now where you have these huge communities within organizations where mm -hmm. it's kind of like your, um, um, what do you call it? The, the community, not community of practice, but it's like your, uh, it's not the center of excellence leader. Day. Yeah, well, it's it, it's the it's the event, right? So yes, everybody comes to oh, a monthly power hour. Like, a, like a Friday thing, like right. a, something like a big event around. Hey, yeah. come ask questions. We're going to help you figure things out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So so it's it's this avenue for people to bring their questions to see that there's a community within the organization. Meet one another. Talk through these things that that you're implementing, and that just fosters adoption. And it it accelerates in the case of power bi i mm -hmm. think a lot of um people becoming much more capable in finding and building their own insights right and then you get an improved state um ultimately where overall um hitting this proper change management cycle is is a, a real clean path of success uh, mm -hmm. in the muddy waters that it's going to be because you're you're going to find resistance. You're going to find a lot of challenges in these big efforts and having that clear vision, having the place that everybody's focused on and knows where we want to be um, helps you get over those as opposed to those like hurdles being like complete brick walls, right? Because you don't, you can't articulate or share where you want to go. Mm -hmm. And I think that's up to the leaders and the people that are trying to implement that change um, to be able to convey right out of the gate, which is why, you know, my argument in the adoption was like, you better have your ducks in a row mm -hmm. before you go implement something because of this very, this very um, kind of thought process. So I, I'm, I'm going to need some clarification here because this, this is probably me being a little confused here, but I feel like the change management we're speaking about right now, or the, to me, it sounds like either the initial one-time project or these major projects and not necessarily the the, the normal day-to-day -day change management issues that I think come up. 
Because I think it feels like everything we're talking about now are like no. the big initiatives. Correct. They, they're like. But, okay. I, mean, I think it plays for if both. You, if you yeah. were listening to me in the beginning, I, I said these are two different, two okay. different areas when we're talking about change management. Okay. And I said there's a high level one That's what around I'm adoption about. and roadmap. And I said, then there's the detailed one around data and the daily and project level. I said, let's start with the project, like the grain, I, the, I, deep, the data. And Mike went over here. Looking down at me, I don't appreciate that. And sir, thank you. Pick for A or B. Let's, let's choose A. Okay, I pick B. Like, <laughs> so I can understand the confusion, but we will we oh, will get boy. to that shortly, okay. I think, because I don't I, think we're going to spend a ton of time on this. Um. I really like this. I mean, I'm 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 rereading the Forbes article again. And there's, there's just so many good nuggets I feel like in here that make a lot of sense to me. I feel like they they had three kind of key bullet points about halfway down the article talking about at the high level there are three kind of resistant areas to why you have pushback from the organization. One would be like a cultural resistance, right? The 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 culture of the team is resisting that that change, right? That we don't, we've been doing things, it's fine, it's the way it is. We don't want to introduce something new. Then there's this idea around like procedural resistance, right? There's a process that's been put in place that uh, this this new thing isn't, you know, we're, we're, we've we had a process and now we have to adjust that process. And again, this is talking to that P, the PPPT thing, uh, P, uh, people, process, and technology. And then there is decisional resistance. Right. And this is, I think, talking a bit more about your second point there, Seth, that you wanted to start with, which was, hey, when the data shows you something you weren't expecting, whoa, sales team, you're not, you're underperforming now. Like, and here's what you're doing. You're spending money in the wrong places or you're spending time on the wrong things or we're getting the wrong kind of accounts to meet the bottom line. The data shows this, but there's also some kind of egos that are also involved here. Like people are like, mm, I don't, I don't trust that number. That's not right. There's no way. Like, there's a, there's a preconceived notion of what the data should be saying. And if the data is now in a technology or a tool where the data is actually different and we're reporting on things a different way, we could ruffle a lot of feathers. And there's, the change management part is, is part around making sure those people are able to accept those numbers and, and absorb them and say, okay, well, what do we need to do to move forward so we can improve? Well, this is a that's a huge part too because a lot of times when Power BI gets introduced and becomes more widely adopted, the mm -hmm. biggest issue and then the number one goal for an organization is to get Power BI to become the source of truth. Because and I say this yep. all the time, where or the, the data models like trust that the trust right becomes it's never gonna, important. Yeah, yes. I, I know. I still know a few organizations where the people verify the Power BI reports based on the Excel files, right? Or like they're still verifying on an external source. That is a very, yes. very common scenario, unfortunately. And the goal is like, you, we're not going to get, the ceiling is still incredibly limited for your Power BI adoption or for Power BI to really become what you want it to be mm -hmm. if you're still verifying it off ex other sources. Correct. The goal, because you, the, none of this is going to work. Yes. If you don't get to the point where Power BI is the point where we're checking, that is where we're, let me verify. Yes, it is. It is and the source of truth. Because yeah. I, I, the other part with the technology, well, go ahead. Well, I was going to say there's, there's one oh, more thing here at the end I mean, here. I want to, I want to go to the end here at the, to, to kind of back through here. I'm going to read other five <laughs> points. These are five tips for leading and managing a data driven culture. And I think these, if you listen to these, Tommy, these are like verbatim. Yeah 
right out of the Power BI roadmap. So to bring this thing full circle, like, okay, we've identified that, yeah, things are challenging, people are resistant, okay, fine, whatever. Here's what the, the Forbes article recommends is like, how to go forward. Make sure you have a good executive sponsor. So not just an executive sponsor, an engaged executive sponsor, who's gonna be you know, right. working with other leaders at that level of the organization to help them understand the importance of what you're doing and getting participation. So that's like verbatim right out of the roadmap. The second one was what Seth, you said earlier, foster a collaborative relationship with business teams, 100%. The other one's consuming the stuff. Get the, like you said, bring the experts in. Like we're gonna bring in the experts who have been using the data things of, the, of our company, bring those tech leads in and have them buy into this new world that we're, we're introducing with Power BI. That makes sense. Offer data literacy training. Power hours, we just said about that. That's the community practice and center of excellence, right? How, do, how are we facilitating those regular education pieces around why we're doing and what the data is doing now in this new world? Deliver data quick, data-driven quick wins. We say this on the podcast all the time, right? Don't make a project that's gonna be a six month return. No one wants that anymore. They want quick wins on stuff. And then finally here, they talk about communicate to build and inspire. So I feel like, I feel vindicated by like what we've been doing in, in like reading and looking at like the Power BI adoption roadmap because yeah, right, it makes sense. These are, the, these are the winning formulas that help you drive uh, change management. And then now add the lens of how does change management look for Power BI? So let's let's talk about the detail, right? Like let's talk data granularity, et cetera. Yeah, let's right? go in there. Because I think I think the challenge hits and and it's represented in that final point, it, albeit in a slightly different way, because it's sure. comparing old system to new system data mm -hmm. being presented in different ways, right? But I think I think where Tommy, you were going and and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but ultimately I think it, this, <laughs> this challenge is very relevant to BI professionals, especially like yes. our BI folks, because the final product of an entire pipeline of data and transformation is the report, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. everybody who's consuming that information always thinks it's the report problem. So oh, what so inherently true. happens is within here, like what are some of the common data problems that we see that are represented as problems with the report are represented as something being wrong, but potentially are more than likely source system changes or something behind the scenes that is introducing a problem that is consumed by the end user, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's in all of that processes like that reach that final point, I think, that change management is also a relevant conversation because people don't treat data the same way that they do code changes for an application, right? If, you're, if you've ever been part of a software company where you're building software for customers, you have release cycles, mm -hmm. right? There's code check-ins, there's review, there's a whole litany of like very hard gates that have to be tested and thoroughly vetted before it gets to production. And I think one of the huge issues we have, and it's probably self-inflicted to some degree, right? Is we're BI folks, we play in production, right? That's where the data is. That's where we, we build stuff from. Yeah. But it also inherently puts you in this spot where if somebody is not treating data in the same way that you would code, 
they introduce really large problems into an ecosystem that then you automatically have to go solve, but aren't necessarily a report problem. And I think that's why I brought it up initially, because I think they're very interdependent, the big changes that you want to do and having these processes in place for the, the smaller details. Because to me, you can't get to a place where you have this source of truth or this big initiative or this new report unless the company has already or the people have bought in to where there is some change management that's going to go on. Because you, I think in the in the previous state of life, so to speak, people could edit their own data or they had more control and with Power BI, they're losing that control. The organization is losing the same, the same control that they had. Uh, I disagree with that statement. But now they're relying on, so let's take an example of where Power BI is showing the blank data, right? Well, and they're probably their previous reports and their own ad hoc, you know, solution. It wasn't blank because they had, they had they had their own methodology or process or formula in there. Now Power BI is showing something that's not what they're used to. I think there has to be something in place before that introduction where everyone's in a sense bought in because you can't just introduce, we're doing Power BI, we have this new great report or the new universal report that everyone's going to look at and something's wrong or blank, theoretically wrong or blank. And now everyone's up in arms without the idea that there is change management needing to be part of it already. You can't just say, oh, it's blank. Well, the reason why is because the input data is wrong and tell them after the fact. I don't think that's a successful approach. Well, I mean, I don't think you just throw people reports. So I disagree with that in the fact that you just don't throw people reports, brand new reports and be like, here you go. Like that just okay. doesn't happen. Yeah. So I feel like if you're, if you're retooling, so I think what you're speaking to is there is potentially a new data model or we're getting some new data sources in or we're, we're modifying the core reports that people are, are communicating with. What I feel like I'm what I feel like I'm looking at from a scenario is, hey, I was going to this system, call it business objects, an, a database, whatever. I'm able to select the columns of data that I need and I'm saying export and I get that data to me. And then I do my own little data engineering activity around shaping and modifying, and then I get to my numbers that I want. Okay, here's the numbers that I think I can trust based on my business logic of me, right? What I feel like I'm talking about here when change management comes is that system, when we're talking change management, I'm looking at it from like a Power BI entire ecosystem perspective, like, okay, instead of going to this other system that you would go dump data from and then do your own analysis, we're now able to give you data models so you can go do your own analysis in Excel maybe, or you can go into, we now have this new Power BI ecosystem where we're spending more time around the sales numbers and here's my sales number report and associated data set. And that's in, so you don't just kick off that initiative and just say, here you go. It's more like the executive sponsor needs to be communicating, hey, we're bringing this new tool in, we're doing this new work. Someone's got to spend money to, to develop this thing. So I think there has to be some communication up front. I think the landing of that information is not, to your point, what you're talking about, I think if you land the information without some level of change management with it, that's when you create a lot of problems. Because, oh, yeah, yeah, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Or am I, am I missing it? To, to the degree, you're right, because people have to buy into the idea that there is change management. And yes, before that saying, hey, there's a new source of truth out there. Yes. Because like we, I think it was just two episodes ago, we were talking about we have a report and the data shows a blank country and everyone assumes Power BI is wrong. 
or assumes that the BI developer is wrong, but it's really because the input data, like the way people are inputting data, they didn't add a country, they didn't add a member type, they didn't add the right required Correct. information. But that's because I did things to a data thing, a data set that's like it made sense to me. Right, I'm 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 pulling out the information right. and I'm me myself. I'm going like through model, emotions. Right. Yeah. So to me that that to me that points to like a trust issue, right? So. I've relinquished some of my responsibility on how I manipulate data and I'm giving it to somebody else. So to make sure, again, part of, I think this is what the article talks about too. And actually what Jens talks about a lot is, are we changing the people or the data? And likely what's happening is the data is changing, but we need to get the people to kind of trust again, what's going on in this new world. Cause some of the stuff that you're defining may be out of their control. Like, Hey, the regions yeah. you picked, they're not what we want to look at for profitability in our organization. So and when that yeah. when that shifts, people may be up in arms. So and to have that alignment from the top down, I think makes sense. That way we're all talking about the same stuff. And I think that's the bigger problem that we deal with. It's not so much the launch of a new report or the launch of uh, whatever the project is. Mm -hmm. It's the ongoing because most companies, the sales teams change. The products will gradually change and True. the change management success is not in the initial launch. It's in the plan six months from now, when things change, are we alerted? Are we notified to what the organization's deciding to change, whether it be logic or yeah. whether it be the systems? Because we're relying yeah. on what we know right now. That part, yes, yeah. I agree. Yeah, because this, this is where- problems. This yeah. is where the power hours make sense. This is where a portal makes sense. This is where, you know, a community practice makes sense because now you have a channel by which you can have the, the center of excellence, right. a team of people that are making policy right. decisions, deciding what's right, right? There needs to be right. voices from these different departments in that center of excellence so that people can inform these decisions. Hey, we're going to count. Here's, the, here's how we're going to break your company by region. Well, we don't agree with that because this is how we look at the data in this department or that department. So then there has to be like an agreement across teams to figure out which way do they need to report data so they can be successful. The decision tree. Yeah. The, to me, the problems are not in something new. It's in something that's already dependent and whether or not people are understanding what it affects. I feel like Seth is being quiet because he's just sli silently skilling up his knowledge here. And he's going to come up with a truth bomb here in a minute. So this is usually what happens. Thing, he goes, yeah. he goes dark. And then he comes back and it's like, by the way, guys, here's he's really what's happening. Boom. He's it's like loading. <laughs> no, like it's this, this, this time I'm just trying to track like which change management process you guys are talking about. Because like maybe it's just me, but you're all over the board. Right? Because I, I, we're on talking change, change management in training before Power BI is deployed. So that's part of okay. like getting yes. RBIs and new technology. And I think Tommy has some good points from the yes. same from how Power BI potentially behaves differently than people have consumed reports before blank okay. being a, sure. a good one which is a byproduct of a model we say we have all these companies here are a whole bunch of like brands there's a bunch of blank brands but everybody in the company has seen reports that every brand aligns to a company because somebody cleaned it up okay right? yeah, yeah i can see that power bi yeah. exposes some of that dirty data Right. Unless we have explicit logic that is known by the business or implemented by such that we would get that out of there. Correct. But in many Clean cases, it, it shows that we want to fix something in our source system 
Um, and inherently, there's different ways in which like that behavior throws off end users. They don't understand like what's the difference between you know this this thing and it not showing up or it not being there. Does that mean there's data there but it's not there? Or what's what's the case? It's like yes, there's data there. It just doesn't have this value to it. So there's I think that being a a top use case. There's other things that you know, features, functionality, how they get the most out of the reports, all of that is really valuable because yes, if you don't and you just launch Power BI, even if Power BI has been in the ecosystem for new users, they don't understand those concepts. So it's 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 before, not before data, but in part and parcel of like, what's the data they're seeing? They have to understand at least some of the basic concepts of how we're presenting things based on how we build them in a model or present them in the report. So that's one part, right? Is actual implementation, training, having a process by bringing new people on, which mm -hmm. makes sense. Yes. The second, which you guys were talking about, is something that like, if if there, if there we already have Power BI reports and we already have dependencies, we've got users using it, and, and now we need to incorporate logic changes, right? Sure. I think this is the change management of in making sure we re retain trust in metrics in a report because if it's been out there for a while and you're going to make a fundamental change how, what are the steps that you have to incur to make sure that the organization knows that this metric is changing and that it's vetted and it's good and this is why the numbers are, are going to alter as opposed to somebody losing all faith in the report because they've been looking at it for the last six months and all of a sudden this overall number changes mm -hmm. And then, like, I guess the training part in there, but where you ended uh, again with the uh, adoption and governance strategy is we're back into the org level of change management. And that's why I was just sitting here listening because I was like, wow, okay, we're here. Now we're here. Now we're here. Now we're here. <laughs> like, we're all so, over the place. Maybe, maybe it's just me. But that's where, I, like, that's how I was trying to, like. No, I, I think it's, I think it's my thing. struggle. I think I keep thinking at the organizational level of change management and not at the report level or the data but level I of change management. They're intertwined, though. You, I, you can't separate them to me. No, no, like they're not intertwined. They're separate uh, change management processes that you would implement for different reasons within the organization. Yeah, well, there's a downstream. There's a downstream yeah. effect of. To, if you don't train people how to use Power BI, are they going to have problems? Yes. yes. Are they going to create more issues for you? Yes. If you make a change in logic and you don't tell anybody, is it going to create problem ripple effects in the organization? Yes. Right. But those aren't the same management process. Those aren't the same things that are like alleviating pain from other parts of the organization, which ultimately is, I think, what change management is all about. And there's one area that we haven't talked about, which is project-based mm. change management, because I, I think mm -hmm. the intertwining of executing within an organization on the goals that we would want to, change management is a key part of that, because as things change on the lower levels, there has to be some process, a team that reviews whether or not that requested change is something the organization wants to do. Oh, I like, like that. Where, yes. where I think I think yep. a lot of organizations get into trouble is you have these high-level OKRs or OGSMs or strategies for execution throughout the year, mm -hmm. and then some dude or woman or whatever, AE, some salesperson sells something, introduces something that doesn't align with anything, is going to burn a ton of time in development and whatnot, 
Yep. And all of a sudden that gets automatically interjected into this develop, like we got it goes to, you know, uh, project management, it gets, you know, thrown into devs and now we're going to execute on something that's going to put everything else a month behind. And that's not clearly articulated up through leadership where, or a team that makes the decision on whether or not that, that sale should have gone through or, or whether or not it's something that, that features really require from in order to like, what's the trade-off, right? Do we now have to ramp up and like pull in contractors to make sure we execute against the strategies for the year, right? Like those, mm -hmm. those are the ripple effects that start to happen or where at the end of the year, an organization is like, well, we had this major strategy for you, Tommy. It's the BI team to execute on these 10 initiatives and you've only got three done. And mm -hmm. you're like, man, I've been I've been smoking busy all year long. Like we're crushing it. And that disconnect happens because mm -hmm. you don't have the processes in place, change management, to make sure that those types of things don't happen without leadership no and sign off and potential adjustment of those strategies. And that's where I see, I think, the, the key part of the change management cycle of having a review process, having it go to a team that decides yes, no, and then makes the the decision points on execution versus you know strategy change. I think I think what you're communicating kind of sounds similar to me. What I'm reading at the end of uh, Jen Stirrup's article, it starts talking about you know this this concept of being broken, right? I think I think sometimes there's says, oh, it's not right. It's not it's not correct. And this could be at organizational level. This could be at the change management level, the project level. Or this data could be level. all the way down at the, the data level, right? And I think what she kind of alludes to here, and I feel like it resonates with me, is there is this moment of like, it's okay to find the problem. Like, it's okay to find there's an issue. I think the challenge is, what are we going to do with that issue? What do we do to resolve where we see something being, quote unquote, broken or, or an issue? And as long as there's... So to me, as, a, as my engineering mind thinks through this thing, I always started thinking through... What was the root cause, right? If something fails, what was the primary failure mode, right? Uh, this report was running on Monday. The report failed, and it started failing for three days. Well, I can go back in and just kind of muck around the report, get it working again. But it's important for me to like identify what was the root cause. I have another example here. Um, I was working on SQL Serverless inside Synapse. Something happened. I don't know what it was. We were running a command. We were we were adjusting things, dropping views, whatever. And we were touching data that was in the lake. Well, somehow SQL Server got itself into a state where we tried to run a command and cancel something and the process ID just got stuck. We tried to kill it, it wouldn't work. We could start other processes, it would start running and then we could run the, I guess it's the kill command, kill whatever process ID number it is. It would then stop that process and move on. For whatever reason, there was a single process ID that got stuck into a state of it wasn't able to be removed therefore any new query that came to the sql server was getting blocked immediately like mm -hmm. oh i'm blocked i can't finish it because i'm doing this other activity over here so because of that i had to go all the way up to the microsoft engineering team and be like hey i can't i can't fix this thing can you do something so they actually had to like turn off or turn i know switch the keys i know maybe flip the power <laughs> on the sql serverless and when they did they were able to release that that id that was blocking all my queries and so then we're we're fine we're running again but they're like it's fixed and my initial re reaction was, wait, 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 time out. Thank you that it's fixed. 
can you help me understand why it was broken? What did I do that broke it? Uh-huh. What was going on? Like, oh, it's a bug in somewhere in this process. And so it technically wasn't you. It was more of like something we're fixing. We're working on reducing this error so that it doesn't happen as often. We know what the issue is. We're going to resolve it. And to me, that gave me more of that peace of mind of like, okay, it's I can know what the root cause. Right. It was, in fact, broken. We know how to fix it now. And if this occurs again, I know what to look for when this is occurring. So I can go back and be like, hey, your stuff's still broken. Go fix it again. So I, w- I wanted to know, was it like, did I write a bad SQL statement? Did I write a query that was impossible? Did, did, like, can I, did I do something too fast in succession that can I should I have done? This? What is that? So to me, it was like a good vindication of like, okay, well, you, we didn't do anything wrong. It was literally a bug in the system that broke things. And that way I can have confidence that I won't do it again. So... So it's an interesting kind of segue into root cause analysis, which I agree, but I'm going to pull it back and yep, change okay. my engine because yeah. I think I think there is a part here where um, I I find that many people just solve the issue at hand, and that could be yes. bugs in reports. We just solve like everything that comes in. We're just cranking. That's true. Out. We fix it. We fix it. We fix it. We fix it. Root cause analysis is really important, where you just fix it rather than just fixing and moving on. You you pause and evaluate when there's a volume of the same type of issue. Right. Yes. Like, do you see yeah. the same thing all the all the time? Sure. Or is it like, are you falling into the virtuous waste cycle where you're just like, yep. Oh, I know how to fix this one. Yep. Boom, oh, done. I know how Move to on. fix this one. Yeah, yes. Or <laughs> are you sitting there and going, okay, over the last two weeks, we've seen a, a large increase in this type of issue. That's a good precursor for change management to say, okay, hey, like somewhere in our system, this is this thing is happening. We need to like devote time to figure out and go triage and fix this problem above and beyond whatever whatever work this other team is doing right those are good mm-hmm. opportunities to like understand and and cut out a lot of potential wasted time for teams if if there's something that's representing itself as a source problem right you get what so, i'm saying yeah, yeah. and I, I let me see how how well this equates but i i think that a big part of this too is showing the value of whatever whether it's the root cause or whatever you're introducing you have to prove the value of putting that process or that change management in place um to give the example that you gave seth of like something was broken or it was blank and they're saying like well it worked before um Actually, let me let me let me back up. No, I'm, I'm, yeah, no yeah. you don't say. Yeah. Well, <laughs> all right, move move I'm on. I'm making fun of the end user, not you, Tommy. No, yeah, but the, 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 the point is like, okay, but now we have to use this new system. So, but even though it's like, well, it oh. worked before my own my own convoluted system, right? And the we have to prove the value of something using something new. I'll give a a, a good example. I like that though. Yeah. I think people won't go to change if you don't. Oh remove pain or like show make, the value of something yes yeah, it's, right. it's the grass in this case the grass should be greener on the other side i right. have to give you some indication that there is a there is a better right. place to be in. why should i now have to do more basically like don't do yeah. process for the sake of process yes um from a root cause point of view or at least seeing like what is the actual issue mm-hmm. we actually I, I was working on a project and it was going to be like the gold you know department report and we were so mm-hmm. excited to launch it we launched it and everyone was complaining the sponsorship of it, basically, we were doing a bunch of audits because someone, everyone was saying wasn't right. This is not my thing. Mm-hmm. And we were going to the source systems, and it was because everyone entered their information wrong. 
And that's why they were, yep. everyone was using like Excel, yeah, everyone yes. was using Excel files to do yep. their own convoluted thing. Yeah, because they were so, they're fixing the right. data in their Excel process. Right. Yeah. So we, yeah. we worked with the sponsor and this, we basically changed the report from the foundation report to like the audit report saying, you need to look at this report. And if your information is not right, you need to change it. Basically, like, yeah. this is going to show you if you've entered your information wrong. And this basically was going back to the executive sponsor. Um, they were basically commanding the rest of the team to go through and saying, Hey, if your num numbers are wrong here, it's going to be wrong everywhere. Yeah. Moving forward. And yes. that really, so yeah, they got the fire. Yeah. And that was the change. That was the change management part of that. That's exactly right. right. Like, right. Hey, we're this just bringing out the data you already put in. Part. If right. you want it to be right, you got to put it in right. <laughs> right. So but we were going through like the root here is your system basically. And, and to kind of segue to the assess point. But it was very much, we were like, this is going to be your, in a sense, audit report. It's going to show you if something's unassigned or what's or not. And it's your job to go through because we're going to be looking at your numbers based on this. I love so it. it's part of the value there. But yeah, I don't know how, how much that segues off, Seth, and I apologize, but you how much that- apologize me, man. I think, I think we, we covered all areas of change management today well, in, the in, a world, in a whirlwind of one hour <laughs> <laughs> i like uh, i like alex's uh, powers's quote here the pain of staying the same has to be greater than the pain of the change hmm. and i i felt like saying this should be like a confucius say <laughs> or this is this is a this is a great fortune cookie you know not, no more of those ftx fortune cookies i hate those things those are junk oh um well, but i'd rather have the, the don't pain have to worry of... about ftx fortune cookies <laughs> they don't exist <laughs> but i like i agree with you like the, the pain of staying the same has to be greater than the pain of change i think that makes a lot of sense and that that would be um a really interesting like i just i think that's so good you you want to make people excited or see the value of what you're pr producing or are going to be pitching so that way people yeah adopt it and like this this miss, this does make sense we and i think that's why the change management makes so much sense okay that was a great topic i'm sorry guys for pulling you all over the place on this topic this was my fault i i, I clearly don't understand change management because uh, of how much i go back up to the high level and, and not into the report level pieces anymore so uh, with that, you've uh, burned through a perfectly good. The pleasure good... was all mine on this one. <laughs> <laughs> We've burned through a perfectly good hour of your time. We really appreciate everyone listening. Um, we really thank you very much for the chat. The chat comments have been amazing and super fun. I've been enjoying those as well. So thank you all who participate real time. Um, we really enjoy your listenership. Our only ask with the podcast: if you like this podcast, please, if you don't mind, share it with somebody else. Um, if there are some nuggets that you glean from this, if there's a funny quote that Tommy said or a very smart quote that Seth said, uh, you know, quote us, put it online. We'd love to, we'd love to, we like enjoy watching those comments on, on Twitter. Like Mike was so wrong. He, he doesn't have a clue what he's talking about. So um, thank you all very much. And uh, Tommy, where else can you find the podcast? You can find it on Apple, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts. Make sure to subscribe on the podcast. You can listen to all 169 episodes. If you want to watch this live Tuesdays and Thursdays, 730 in the morning, YouTube and LinkedIn. All right. Thank you all very much. And we'll see you next time.